This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, Wild Souls, welcome to September's monthly medicine episode. Happy new moon in Virgo. Happy Virgo season. Virgo season is so special, and um, regardless of how we may feel when we're in Virgo season, which is, of course, um, completely legitimate. Everybody has different experiences and feelings that come up for them in various seasons of life and time, of course. Um, regardless of how we feel about Virgo season, it this time on the wheel of the year is such an enormous gift for many, many reasons. Um, one, Virgo season kind of... Um, it ends a kind of an liminal um, season on the wheel of the year. Really, from Gemini season to Leo season, we're working with liminal elements. We're working with kind of liminal air, liminal water, liminal fire. Um, we could say the same for like Pisces season, you know, as being liminal water, but there really is something about those particular seasons, especially in the midst of summer, when energetically, and obviously some people's experiences of the last few months have been that it's been cold where they live. So it really depends on your experience. But that time on the wheel of the year is foregoing within often a little bit more than winter, even. You know, winter we have Capricorn. We have Aquarius, like there's a lot of outward looking in winter, actually, when you think about, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, how we work with those ideas. Um, and when we think about ourselves as a spherical whole planet, given that on the other side of the world in the quote summertime for us, cancer season is cold. So we're always holding both. And it's very interesting to think about that. But Virgo season is so special because it brings all that liminality into practicality. It has us kind of um, recentering. It has us reviewing. It's a really important time of kind of like taking what we've learned and saying, you know, okay, what am I going to do with it? And the idea that we're starting this month, this very special month of September with a new moon in Virgo is really awesome because if we're living in a lunar way, and even if we're not, uh, new moons are the official kind of fresh start to the lunar cycle of the month. They're a time when the moon is empty and available to be filled when anything is possible, when it is um, deeply supportive to us to bring our attention to this time on the wheel of the moon, I guess, and say, you know, I'm willing and available to receive anything that is in my highest and best in this coming cycle, and my desires are X, Y, Z. You know, it's so nice to be able to do that, and I just find, now, I have some, you know, I'm a Virgo rising, so maybe I'm a bit biased, but I just think Virgo new moons are so special, like, so many things, so many wonderful things have happened in my life as a result of um, setting down intentions in a Virgo new moon. So I think, 
you know, the theme of this month is very, very strong, very powerful. Um, the direction of this month is very powerful. Like the, the, the kind of list of eh, instructions is not quite the word, but sometimes on monthly medicine, it's sort of like float and here's the flotation device. This is kind of like, you know, walk 30 paces, consider turning to the right, go here. You know, it's, it's a little bit more specific and that's a great thing because it shows us the medicine of Virgo. Um, Virgo offers us specificity. It also asks us to go one step at a time. It's, it's an energy of great service and tending and, um, of, yeah, there's a deep, there's a depth to Virgo that is very, very powerful. Um, and it's really, really nice to be kicking off this month of September, um, with this beautiful new moon energy in Virgo. Um, so I have, uh, three little announcements and then we'll kind of dive into the medicine of the month. Um, the first is that my monthly newsletter comes out at 2 PM today. Uh, that's Friday, um, August 30th. If you missed the monthly newsletter, you're hearing this on Sunday, just email my team at info at and we'll get the newsletter to you. Um, it goes in depth on uh, a little bit more about the moon, a little spread that you can use to connect with the moon and what um, medicine this moon might have for you. There are um, words of wisdom on the hermit, which is ruled by Virgo, on the magician, which is ruled by Mercury, which is Virgo's ruling planet, on Queen of Pentacles, which is very connected to Virgo um, and really is a great helper in terms of how to be with Virgo season in a way that feels really nourishing and um, fulfilling rather than just sort of like um, the wonderful mercurial edge that Virgo energy can sometimes have. Queen of Pentacles is a really important ingredient that really softens it and brings the Vestal Virgin aspect to it rather than just the, the, um, really good, hardworking, critical eye, which of course, like Virgo so much more than that, but it is a gift that a lot of them do have. So, um, the season really brings that forward. Um, and so much more, there's a lot more in the monthly newsletter that's not in here. It won't be on Instagram, really can't get anywhere else. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up for the newsletter at the link on uh, the show notes. So you can go to my website, lindsaymack.com and do it. And if you miss it again, just email us at info at lindsaymack.com and we'll take care of you. Iris will send you one. Um, Tarot for what is, is open for enrollment. There is a special rate that's still up on the website uh, that you can take advantage of that ends in about three weeks. Um, and then the price will go up indefinitely. Tarot for what is, is a special, slightly more advanced mini, well, it's certainly not a mini tarot course because there's a shitload of material. There's nothing mini about it, <laughs> but, um, it is a really a course that goes into detail on the concepts and practices on how to read tarot for whatever arises for this moment. Um, so we really journey in depth around 
14 cards of the tarot, using them as an example, as an entry point to many different life experiences. How do we relate to them? How can we lean on the cards as allies? How do we literally read for this moment? It's really beautiful, this course shaping up to be so far. I'm still in the midst of channeling and recording the material. Um, it's got some video. It's got lots of audio. The workbooks are really beautiful. Um, I'm very proud of it. It's pretty intense to birth it. It's kind of like, um, well, it's like building another house or having a baby or <laughs> it's just like, there's like a lot of really magical, um, yeah, it's been very magical. So if you would like to learn more or to sign up for it, you can go to terraforwardis.com. And by the way, also there's no rush because this offering is available indefinitely. It's just, uh, it will always be up on my website as a testament of commitment. Like if anybody really wants to learn how to read in some of the ways that I talk about on this podcast, et cetera, um, it's the most kind of mature, refined, fleshed out conceptual teaching of how I view tarot. And I feel like uh, it asked to remain up on the website. Um, the other reason why I'm sort of talking about it as much as I am right now is because the price is lower. So if you are on a budget and you would like to sign up for a slightly lower rate, you may do that um, for the next three weeks. Um, and then my final kind of announcement is a bit of a, it's a little corrections corner. Um, so, uh, I mentioned this on my Instagram and I added this to last week's episode to the beginning of last week's episode. I added a note and an apology to this, but wanted to just call myself in a little further on this episode where there are far more listeners so that kind of everybody can be um, caught up with uh, a little bit about what happened. And so I could have another opportunity to apologize and just be really transparent. Um, so last week I uh, released an episode of the podcast where I answered a listener's question um, about the term hungry ghosts, what it means to me. And I offered an answer um, without going into uh, the crucial and important root system of that term, hungry ghosts, as being a part of Buddhism, of Taoism, of um, many folk religions in Asia, being a very important um, belief system in many parts of Asia, festival in Singapore. Like there are so many things, so many places that that term hungry ghosts, so many um, legends, stories of lore that are different from many different cultures. And I did not talk about any of that before I answered the question about hungry ghosts. And my intention in not doing it was to not call in cultures that were not my own. And in not doing that, completely uh, erased, you know, completely um, participated in cultural erasure and what I offered then became appropriative because I was talking about something that had a connection to a lineage that was not my own, that was not being named. And because impact is like way more important than intent, um, it was just a complete mess up and mistake on my part. And I wanted to take the opportunity to just publicly really acknowledge that mistake, apologize, um, really name that Buddhism while beautiful is, um, 
a belief system that is unfortunately very appropriated, very leaned, like is leaned on a lot by white folks. And um, it's really important, has been reflected um, to me from my students over the years, you know, very important to acknowledge um, and to allow that culture to reclaim its roots away from white folks. Um, so it was even more important to acknowledge this uh, and to make sure that everyone knew that um, I was committed to being as transparent about this mistake as possible. So I wanted to talk about it on this podcast as well as the other one and to name that if you heard that episode and were kind of like, well, that's interesting, whatever, that there's now... Um, kind of a, uh, opening statement and apology that was recorded a day after, um, like last Saturday, I think that's now up in front of the hungry ghost episode. So if you'd like to hear a little bit more about, um, if you'd like to hear like a more in-depth apology, it's there. Um, I also wanted to state that I never want to put the burden on anyone, anybody to feel like they have to reach out to me when I've made a mistake that's labor it's emotionally costly for people. And I want to name and respect that. And I want to take a, just a small moment to affirm something on this platform, arguably the largest I have. Um, my platform has grown a lot over the years, especially the last year. Um, and I have not changed. In fact, in the midst of my platform growing, I think I've actually gotten um, far more aware, far more um, committed to being transparent about my fuck-ups. Um, and I say all this because I don't want anyone to ever feel like, well, Lindsay, I don't want to reach out to her about this because like, no one's going to even respond to me. Nobody's going to care. Um, like, no, What's going to happen? everything will happen. If you hear something on this, but if you hear something, say something. <laughs> Again, I don't want to put the burden of responsibility on anyone to feel like they have to like be on top of me or call me in. But I, I just really want to name that I am available and in fact welcoming of any invitations. If I cause harm on this podcast, if I act like a white asshole, which I will, if I do that, call me in. That is the only way I'm ever going to learn other than educating myself, which I do. But, um, I learn so much from these call-ins. I am not afraid to, uh, admit when I have messed up. I'm not afraid to take accountability, to apologize. I want to do better. So I just really want to, um, I really just wanted to name that on this episode that if you ever hear, even in an older episode, email us. My, my um, project coordinator, Iris, is just as committed to um, inclusivity, to safety, to truly making amends when we have fucked up. We, I am committed to public acknowledgement. I am not somebody who, if someone calls me in, I'm going to sweep it under the rug or delete it. I will talk about it not just on a little episode, but on a big episode. Because <laughs> I want, um, if there is a rupture, I want to be able to have there be repair in trust. Um, and want to be able to model for other people doing this that it's okay and that you can make mistakes and ideally you can um, 
learn from those mistakes, not just apologize and make people happy, but actually learn from them. Um, and I think that's important not to go up on a soapbox, but I do. And that's all I'm going to say about it for right now. But um, please do not hesitate ever. If something happens on this podcast and you think like, I don't know if Lindsay missed the mark on this one, please email me at info at lindsaymack.com and let me know, you know, and um, in the future, you know, let me know if that ever happens again. It, it's welcomed. Um, I'm sorry that um, people had to. I'm trying to get to a point where they don't, where you don't have to email me. But inevitably, um, as I am a white woman moving through this world, serving, I certainly cannot speak for everyone and am committed to undoing a lot of the oppression that has been present in my practice over the years and appropriation. And in doing so, I'm absolutely going to make mistakes. And to think not is foolish. Um, I welcome the Collins to those mistakes. So um, thank you for listening to this, those of you who listened. <laughs> and uh, just want to very sincerely apologize yet again for the harm and the erasure that was caused on the Hungry Ghost episode and to thank the people who called me in for calling me in. So having said that, um, I am very excited to move into the medicine of the month of September. Um, the medicine for this month, sometimes I can feel the, the way that the month feels by the way that the medicine comes in, which is really helpful because I found that Leo season felt again, very liminal. Um, it was sort of like Leo season felt to me like, and really the month of August felt to me like, and actually let me back it out further. <laughs> June and July were kind of a shit show, but August was a little bit less of a shit show, but all three of them were really very liminal. And when I say liminal, I kind of mean like in between, like we have a sense of what's going on, but not quite any way to put it into practice. We are thinking about all these ideas, but they're not coming out of us. We're connecting to this idea of like movement or next steps or next thing, but it's not coming in. And I think the thing that is so powerful about September is that it really is the end to that liminal space. However, I cannot say that without also acknowledging kind of with a smile on my face and a twinkle in my eye because I know that everybody is going to kind of like, you know, it's like I'm talking about it ad nauseum on this podcast. We're in a hangman year. There is no way to really forget about that, that 2019 is ruled by Neptune. I mean, really think about that. It makes total sense, right? When we think about like the wateriness, like these senses really not knowing what the fuck is going on. It's all hangman, all hangman. Now let's reframe and touch back in to the medicine of hangman. Hangman is not here to just like ruin the party and invite us into having a shitty time. It's not here to make us surrender. It's also not here to make us enlightened. Hangman is here to help us complete cycles. So we never, ever, ever have to go through them again. If you're going to complete something, 
you have to see it all the way. Your issues with love life, friendships, money, um, boundaries, uh, whatever has been on the forefront of your mind, like emotional labor, like whatever it is, you have to take it to the limit, not to a backbreaking limit, but to the ends of where it exists in you still in order to have a full spectrum, a full picture of like, okay, this is still what I'm doing around this issue, around this behavior. That's really hard to see. It's really sobering. And it wouldn't be hangman without some really major reflections about how to see something in the full picture. We're literally seeing things right side up and upside down in this. So to say that September is kind of the end to this liminality, we are still moving through Neptunian energies. I mean, there's just no other way to say that. We are still moving in a way that is um, more watery, more liminal. You know, that's really going to change in 2020 when we move into like an emperor year. It's, it's going to be very, very different. Um, so it's not something to, it's really 2019 is an opportunity to kind of be more liminal so the ego has a chance to actually begin again. Um, September, though, the medicine for this month came in so easily while I was just sort of sitting. It came in before I even had to like officially tune in. It just popped right in. And um, it's a really nice sign for how I think this month is going to feel that it's a little bit less preparation and a little bit more like, oh, it's here. I'm ready. Let's go for it. Let me just do this. So us beginning the month on a new moon of Virgo is also a really wonderful kind of uh, omen, if I were to use a word, um, to really state like this whole month is a wash basically in new moon energy. It's a new cycle. It's a new frequency. We're really stepping into that. And I think we'll probably really feel that on the first day of the month, even though some of us might be a little bit in touch with that now. Um, August was really about closing, like opening up doors that we thought were closed. (laughs) So we could look in and see like, is there anything else in here that still has to go into like the compost pile, the recycle pile? Is there anything else I have to see in order to really step forward in a very committed and aligned way? Um, All of that was really brought to our attention in August. Really, you could say that of any month, but especially of August. September is the theme of it is restructuring. We are being invited this month to restructure aspects of our lives so that they are in higher alignment, in greater service to our lives. September is a really potent month. Um, It's potent because it's Virgo season. Virgo is always a very powerful month, energetically speaking, like we start school a lot of the time, a little bit in Leo season, but kind of begin school um, and get into it in Virgo season. Um, We shift into a different cyclical frequency in Virgo season just really brings an end to that like very strong liminality of um in some ways even I would say Taurus season like I love Taurus season and I 
feel like it it is very grounded, earthy, practical. It is also a little bit liminal too, I think. Um, that's just me, but definitely Gemini cancer and Leo too, especially this year have been really like up out of practical walking forward, practical forward facing steps and really Virgo is bringing about an end to that. So what is it to restructure? Restructuring doesn't mean tossing things away. Restructuring means finding new ways to work with what we've got finding new ways to work with what is here in us. It is an opportunity. September brings us the opportunity to review what's working in our lives. What isn't working? What hasn't been working for a long time? And how is restructuring important around that? Um, This is not a heavy medicine. Restructuring is simply, it can be easy. This, This month, can be easy. It's not to say that it won't come with its discomforts and its contractions. Of course, it will. Everyone will experience something different this month. But to move through the energy, the invitation, the theme of restructuring, it is so powerful to be able to look at and acknowledge and say, what's here? And How am I relating to what's here? And I invite you to really ask yourself those questions. How are you relating to um, your creative life, to your work life, to your children? How are you relating to your self-care, to you, to your marriage? Like there are a million things to your friendships, like family. We could go on and on and on. Everything is out on the table this month. All relationships, systems, um, responsibilities, everything, we get to look at everything and say, is this working? Is this not? It's not, once again, about necessarily clearing anything out. Although as an organic part of the process, we will most likely walk away from certain things. We will most likely have certain things that we will kind of step away from in order to continue forward. Like we will, it's just sort of an inevitable thing. But restructuring doesn't mean toss out. It means repurpose. It means find a different way to use it. Maybe give it away. Maybe gift it to someone. Um, Maybe that's a part of the restructuring that is available to us. But important to review and reflect. Whenever we work with a month that contains within it the magic of a seasonal threshold, as we do September, there's always beautiful review. You know, with the solstices, because we're dealing in the solstices with the energy of, I mean, I hate these terms if we're going to use them in conjunction with like, but we're literally working with light and shadow in um, the solstices. And it's not to say light, good, shadow, problem, but we're literally working with this is the brightest day, this is the shortest day, um, this is the longest night, this is the shortest night. And we're sort of bowing to the duality within ourselves, not of good and bad, but of the importance of the 
night spaces, the importance of the spaces where we are reflective, quieter, where we're bowing to all the things that can happen in the dream world, where we're bowing to all the things that are happening out in the world where sunlight touches it. Um, With equinoxes, it's not to say that they don't have to do with Earth's um, relationship to the sun, but it's different. Equinoxes are a different kind of threshold where really we shift energetically. That's certainly true with solstices, but solstices can be very, very intense. Equinoxes are just, um, again, not so different, but different enough that it really brings with it a huge energetic frequency where we're shifting from these subtle experiences moving from summer to fall. Um, that's really, really subtle, but with it comes this beautiful opportunity to, again, reflect, review, acknowledge, look at different things, um, ask ourselves what, what's coming with us, what has to be changed. Um, Virgo energy is a superpower for restructuring (laughs) like Virgo energy. And I hate to be cliched about it, but it's a cliche in this case, because it's true. Like Virgo energy will be that person to, or will be that, um, that ally at your shoulder that will help you like clear out your storage unit that will help you reorganize your closet that will help you to um, restructure your schedule that will help you like there's so many things that Virgo provides that is just like extraordinary it's really really great so again as we tuck into this season and as the fall um, equinox and spring in the other side of the hemisphere equinox approaches, um, as we move into this time where things are ready, you know, getting ready to either birth or die away as we're getting ready and preparing for that in this equinox, we also move into the energy and the potential of great change. Restructuring is really powerful stuff. Um, I don't want to make light of that. It requires a lot of courage to restructure. It requires creativity. It requires a a levity. It requires a lightness on our feet. Um, Restructuring, whether we're aware of it or not, is actually an alignment with a commitment to cultivate greater ease, beauty, and joy in our lives. We restructure in order to beautify in order to make life more graceful, in order to make time for other things. We restructure to go further. We restructure to get more expanded. We restructure to place greater importance on what is more important. And we consider, even though this thing in my life is technically mine and my responsibility, am I the right person to handle this? Am I actually the right person to be with this thing in my life all day? Am I actually the right person to manage this part of my business? Could this do better without me? And to restructure, what do I have to call upon for greater support here? Restructuring is also really intense because it, in order to restructure, we have to look at the systems that are in place. And to do that, usually is a pretty vulnerable practice because we're looking very closely at what could be better 
like what could we do better on what have we tried really hard to do what have we put our energy into and is working but not really as well as it could you know all of those things are really what the medicine of restructuring is all about and the reading that we have for the month of September is really speaking to that so our card for the month is, is 10 of wands 10 of wands is the ultimate restructuring card we're not necessarily supposed to get rid of any of the wands in the 10 that's a very big misunderstanding with 10 of wands is that we're carrying so many we're doing so out of our own hubris and pride we're alone we have no one um, the story of the suit is not always the same as the isolated medicine of the card. The isolated medicine of Ten of Wands is simply that we're carrying too much for us. That doesn't mean we have to give anything away as in, you know, if we can no longer handle our email, you know, if email is becoming too much for us in a business sense, that doesn't mean that you cut off from your email. That doesn't mean that you never answer anybody. It means that you bring in people who can manage your email for you so that you are only working with what you're being really called into so you can do more work. Ideally, the person on the 10 of wands is only really holding two or three at the end of a restructuring period. Ideally, there are multiple people around the person in 10 of wands who are holding those wands for them. That is really confronting. For a lot of us, it brings up the idea, how the hell am I going to get the money to do that? Money is not always what we need, but what I will say about Ten of Wands and what I will say about kind of life on John Rawl is that when we're at a plateau with our lives where we say to ourselves, I really do need to restructure. I do recognize this as kind of a, a, a point in time where... I'm losing out on business. People are unhappy with me where I, I can't quite handle everything. I have to ask for help. It's not always that it costs anything, but if it does, sometimes we have to leap before the money to do so appears. Sometimes it has to be that we take the risk and the universe rewards us for that risk. This is not a world or a life of guarantees, you know? So sometimes we have to leap and then the support appears. So this isn't always the case, but it's not not always the case. So that is sometimes important. And that's why confronting where we need, where we're being called into restructure is really powerful and intense because we have to think about and acknowledge and look at, well, what are the places that I feel like I cannot restructure because I don't have the support? Sometimes we have to lean on, ask for, invest in the support before we have it. Are there things you're paying for that you simply can't anymore that you know, are there monetary restructures that have to happen, you know, as well? Like, um, I, I can definitely identify with that. Um, like I've been, uh, my husband and I have been uh, thinking about moving and we, uh, 
really kind of don't have enough to like move right now. We have enough to be comfortable, but we don't have enough to move because moving money is a lot of money. Um, and since kind of taking that off the table, there's been great ease, not necessarily because we love where we are and we want to stay here forever, but because the necessitousness, I guess, of restructuring um, is such that you say, it's not that moving is not important to me, but to restructure what is important allows us to live with greater ease, less anxiety about, you know, what's going to happen if we move and like, that's our money, you know? So restructuring can also mean that we put certain things on the shelf for a moment in order to invest in other things that we need in this moment in time in order to invest in our comfort, or you may be doing the opposite where, you know, you have a million things and you say, I know that this is my time to move, to do this retreat, to go away, to invest in a caretaker for my children, to invest in, um, a new assistant for my business. Um, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to afford that, but I can think about ways to do so that are more creative percentage, et cetera. Um, those are just like such random examples, but restructuring sometimes means that we, you know, again, it means we lay everything out on the table, what works, what doesn't work. 10 of wands is so powerful because it's a 10. It's both the end of something and the beginning of something new. It's the fool and it is, um, wheel of fortune and it is the magician it's magic it's leaping without necessarily knowing what's to come next and it's exquisite exquisite presence working with the universe not just with our will not just waiting for something to kind of hand us this idea of like um fate because that's really not what the what the um excuse me the wheel of fortune is about at all it's really about co-creative magic that we do with the universe where we get really, really present and kind of co-create the best future for ourselves with that card. Um, I mean, that's a very light way to look at it, but, um, yeah, it's so powerful. Ten of wands, the ultimate restructuring. What are you holding that can be given away? What are you holding that other people actually want to help you with? What are you holding that by leaping into a sense where you're committing to not being so much in control, really giving yourself more practice in loosening up, letting go, helping, letting other people help you, um, where you're saying, you know, actually these two wands that I'm holding in the tent have like never been mine. So I'm going to give them back to the people like, do, you know, it's important to look at this too. Like, do you have people in your life who are really not worthy of being in there? Do you have people in your life who are asking more from you than you have to give? Um, our relationship sometimes to being in relationships like that um, is that we're playing out old patterns, some of us. And um, some of us, um, you know, if we are consistently loving in a way that promotes our sacrifice of ourselves, we expect sacrifice, love in return. And that can be a really intense cycle to break. And the more we break it, the better we get at actually inviting people in that we're in a very aligned, um, healthy relationship with on both 
sides. And so that may be that there needs to be a restructuring there too of the way we are in relationship, how we give of ourselves, how we give of our money, how we, you know, there are a million ways that we might be called in to restructure. Ten of wands is not a problem. It is an amazing thing. It's a turning point, a wake-up call. It is literally the card that we can call upon when we're carrying too much because our initial impulse is like, well, I have to like, I'm going to get burned out and overwhelmed. And that could come for us. Um, but really what could happen is that we could lay them all down, call in forms of support who really would like to help and say, what is a different and more creative way of working with all of these wands? Because all of them have been earned. They're precious and, um, to me. And I want to be able to continue to work with them, but it may be that some people need to hold them. For some of us, some of those wands have never been ours and it's important to return them to sender. So restructuring cannot happen without review. It can't happen without curiosity. It can't happen without really deep looking at those systems in our lives. And it's the perfect opportunity to do that because what will come from that is greater ease, greater movement, more ability to step out and do more of what we want to do. We're essentially making space this month for what we really want. That sounds like a very privileged idea, but really it's a birthright. Some of us have more responsibility than others. Some of us have more to do than others. Some of us have more responsibility, you know, whatever. All of us have access to support. All of us can ask for it. It might not immediately come in, but all of us have support available to us as a birthright, even if it's invisible at first, even if we're starting by saying, you know, spirit divine or whomever you work with, higher self, whatever, I am really struggling. I really need to ask for help. I kind of don't even know where to start. Help me to take the first step. I'm willing to consider that it's maybe easier than I think. Um, help me to be with myself as all of my triggers around control and around maybe perfection and around uh, asking for help flare up inevitably in this process of restructuring. Um, help me to help myself here. That we can, That's a prayer to start the process. You know, we don't need to go into it and like have everything we need to ask for help. Sometimes it's about working up to the point where we can ask for help. And that's the way to do it. The card for the month, Ten of Wands, is a beautiful, really, omen of this kind of change, organizational restructuring, the ability to really take um, take it on with ourselves and say, I am available to do this. I am no longer available to do that letting the body guide us, which leads us to our next card. What we're being invited to pay attention to is the Empress. It seems like it doesn't match the card of the month being 10 of wands. And the thing we're being most invited to pay attention to is the Empress, but it actually really is the key that unlocks the door. In order to understand why 10 of wands is here, we have to acknowledge the key reason, which is that we're being invited to expand our threshold of receiving. We're being invited to make life a little sweeter. Receiving is really, really, really hard. We might say 
sure, I'll receive this thing and then push someone away. We might say, hey, I'll receive this thing and not even really connect with the receiving of it. We might say, oh yeah, I'll take this on and just be completely, um, you know, not present in the actual receiving of it. Or we might say that we'll receive it and then we are not able to, and all that's okay. But, um, we are always doing work in Empress. We're going to be doing work in Empress until the day we die. I mean, it's, it's really, Empress is quite, it's, it's major. Like it's a really big deal and it makes most people feel really uncomfortable, even if they can't quite name why. And for some people, it's sort of the traditional sort of like, um, binary feminine mother divine feminine um relationship with this card which isn't um a trigger for everybody but what's happening under it that everybody can feel is the fact that while empress is like not gendered literally at all in actuality um what this card really is is receiving and it invites us into a space where we are asked to be more open to what brings us a sense of beauty, of ease, of joy, of love, um, shit that we're pretty uncomfortable with in general and think that they really only should be for people who have privilege, who have means, who have the ability. And it's for everybody, especially those who are dealing with, you know, reclaiming joy, especially for those of us who are suffering or who are moving through or affected by systems of oppression or are carrying a lot of labor for the collective, it is more important for those folks to reclaim the medicine of receiving than anybody because they're giving so much um, emotionally, physically, and hopefully the balance will tip again so that there's not so much um, or will tip um, in the other direction eventually so that there is not as much labor on those folks. Um, but we have to start that. It starts with us by saying, no, I'm not actually available for that. Or I am available for that under these conditions, on these terms, in these boundaries. We have to name those boundaries for ourselves. And our attention is not drawn onto Ten of Wands. Ten of Wands is going to pass through the month all month. We're going to feel that always that little, um, that little pinch or cramp of contraction will draw us into what are you holding? How can you give some of it away? Who can you ask for help? How can you ask for support? How can that be your practice this month? And then there'll be an expansion where once we do that, we'll expand and then there'll be room for Empress. What we're actually paying attention to in that cycle of shifting and changing and reviewing, what we're actually paying attention to is what is my relationship with receiving? Am I uncomfortable with it? Probably yes, you are. So <laughs> everybody is. Everyone's uncomfortable with receiving. We grow bit by bit, right? We're all we're all where we are with receiving. Um some people are a little further down the path than others. It really doesn't matter. We're all walking the same path, you know? So we're being invited to pay attention to the beauty, the gifts, the receiving, the time, the space, 
that lies underneath the way we try to keep ourselves so full that nothing else can come in. This is really what we're being invited to pay attention to. How can we be open? How can there be more joy? How can there be more ease? How can there be more spaciousness in here? It's not a problem to solve. It's just something to continue to pay attention to. What we pay attention to grows. So it's a really important question. What's happening under the surface of these energies is Page of Cups. Um, Neptune being connected with Hangman is both Piscean, heavy, completions of cycles, preparing for a kind of a cosmic death. That's all Hangman. Neptune is also like mermaids and like selky and water and splashing and play and page of cups is really the entryway point into us prioritizing more importance on the liminal in regards to imagination and creativity we're sort of moving away from the liminal this month but not in terms of creativity. In fact, we're actually making more space by restructuring to be more creative. This can be a very, very creatively fulfilling month, but we have to restructure in order to step into a space where we are, you know, um, able to drop in and really connect. And that is what happens. It's kind of like this layering process, right? Like we start with 10 of wands, like this big, crunchy, heavy, laborious, like, like the earthly world. And then we drop in a little deeper and we say, you know, okay, what, um, how am I uncomfortable with receiving to the degree that I'm still carrying so many wands that I'm a little overwhelmed in this area of my life? What are the belief systems I have about asking for help in this? Did my parents ask for help around this? Are my peers asking for help? Um, I can tell you from a really personal space that this year I've stepped forward and um, have prioritized certain steps into forms of support that um, right now, not too many of my peers are doing, it's not to say all of them, but, um, in, in certain ways I've felt very alone and by the way, it's not a problem, but, um, it, while making those decisions to prioritize systems of support in my life that are now needed in my business and in my personal life, um, there was a lot of contraction that came up around like, I don't know anybody who I personally don't know. And I'm not friends with anybody who has done these specific things before. And everybody has that. Everyone's like the first person to get pregnant in their group of friends. Everybody is the first person to say, I'm going to do this with my kid. My parents didn't do that with their kids, their grand, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to hire this form of support. I'm going to take this kind of break. It's really confronting. Like it, it, it just is. We, we have to name that. We can look around at other people doing similar work to us and think, well, they're not doing that. Why should I do that? Who the hell are you not to? Maybe you're the one blazing the trail for what's possible. You know, like that, that is a possibility. Or maybe there's just a lot of privilege 
and a lot of ease and grace being afforded to you right now. And it's not necessarily about you saying like, oh, you know, hey, I'm so privileged, blah, blah, blah. But it could very very well mean that in order to step forward where you need to go by acknowledging that privilege, you're actually able to serve those who are in need too. So you can help to shoulder a little bit more of that burden as well. So it really just depends. Like, for example, if you're somebody who is in a relationship with someone and you have a child together, it could be that by you being afforded an opportunity to take a paid sabbatical, you can help more with, you know, whatever needs to happen around your home so that both of you can have an equal footing. You know, it really, it really depends on the situation, but Page of Cups is that sort of, that's that's the piece underneath this. It's like that wild connectivity to both earth and water. That's Page of Cups. Pages are earth and cups are water. Like we're locking into something that's not just watery, but actually rooted in earth. We're not flying away with it. We're, we're, we're holding steady like an underwater plant, really like seaweed. You know, that's very much like Page of Cups. So we're just flowing with the currents and were rooted deeply. So there's something so magical about that. What would you create? What would you dive into? What would you do? Who would you be if you weren't carrying and shouldering so many burdens? And obviously we can't like get rid of our responsibilities, but we can ask ourselves questions about how to relate and restructure them a little bit differently so that there's a greater importance on the page of cups pieces in our lives. What wants to be birthed through you? What wants to be created through you? What's been like knocking at the back door of your soul wanting to come through and you've just said like, I can't even, I, I have no fucking time for this. Now you have the opportunity to restructure. So there's time for it and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be confronting. You will have things come up. The brain will go a little wiry and that's okay. It's not a problem. In fact, it's probably a signal that you're doing everything right. So just something to think about. The lesson of the month is Knight of Swords reversed. And this really, again, just plugs into this medicine so richly. Um, Knight of Swords is such an incredible ally for fast movement. Not in a way that's rushed or, you know, anything, but there are seasons in life where we're just like, we're flying. We're not in the body too much. Like, you know, oddly, Knight of Swords strikes that balance where we're where we might be tired, we might have some aches and pains, but we're moving, and it's not necessarily that we're ignoring the body, but it's a moment where it's aligned to be able to say, like, okay, my feet hurt, and I'm still hearing to walk. So there is a lot of power there. The reversal indicates that it's time to actually stop that speed of movement and come home to the body that we may have been living from the neck up for a long time. And that by journeying down past the neck and dropping into the body, coming more into the body, we're learning how to be more in touch with how our day-to-day life, how what we're holding, how what we're responsible for actually makes us feel. Like we're really getting into a little bit more of the consequential energy of like, yeah, we're doing 4 million things. Maybe we aren't feeling it, but now that these things, now that we're prioritizing, we're receiving more care, more imagination, more play, more um, soul-centered creative time, we have to actually be in the body. 
And in order to do that, we may have to recenter and restructure things around the way that we're nourishing ourselves, whatever that means to us. Um, what we're clearing away, interestingly enough, is the star. So this also is a great thing. The star is highly, highly liminal, highly liminal. In the star, we don't do much. We're hanging out. We're healing. We're clearing. We're reviewing. We're dropping in. The stars ruled by Aquarius. We're doing a lot of this work for the collective. But in the star, we're hanging out. We're recentering. Um, by clearing that away and getting ready to step into six of pentacles, what we're essentially doing is taking, stepping out of a major arcana energy, stepping out of a season of time that was a little bit bigger than maybe what we wanted or felt that we needed, but it was sort of a bubble that was holding us, a season that we were moving through. That season with regard to the stars ending. And we're moving into a minor card connected with actionable, tangible movement, a pentacles card related to the way we connect body and soul, earthly and spiritual, um, with the six, which is highly connected to rebalancing. And with a card such as six of pentacles, where ultimately, other than 10 of wands, six of pentacles is the ultimate, not necessarily restructuring card, but rebalancing card. It is a card that says balance equilibrium is the most important thing here. So we're looking at this on all levels, body, heart, mind, soul, all levels. Now, once we hit September, there's something about September that really kicks up, I think, the card of the year into full gear. I don't know why yet, but it's a it's a feeling that I have always had. Um, I felt this way about High Priestess Justice in 2018. Like it's just a sense that Virgo is really an activator. Um, and there's something about being in Virgo energy around this season that is just really like, look at everything because this month is such an important opportunity to rebalance, restructure. Um, it's Six of Pentacles is about like, if you have extra energy, give of that energy so you can rebalance someone who does not. If you are low on energy, calling someone in who has an overflowing cup who can help you will rebalance you. And Six of Pentacles is so special because we actually rebalance everyone. If our cup is lower and we're trying to give, 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 that actually doesn't help anyone. It certainly doesn't help us. But if we're calling upon people who have an overflow, who say, yes, I want to give of my cup to you, we're not just helping ourselves, but we're helping them because we're helping them give. We're helping ourselves learn to receive through giving, learn to give through receiving. It is an amazing realignment that is connected with the way that we directly deal with and correspond with people. Six of Pentacles is highly, highly practical. If you're a body worker and you're giving massages all day long, you're doing Reiki all day long, whatever, um, you may need the Reiki this month. If you're somebody who <clears throat> um, does a lot of service in whatever way, you may be the person who calls upon the service. If you are somebody who, you know, and it could be the opposite. It could be that you're giving a lot more this month, but if you have an overflowing cup, 
because you're dealing at the very tippy tippy top of the surface with 10 of wands and saying, even if there's a wand out of place, it's going to tip over that sense of equilibrium. We are restructuring. So essentially we can link back to being connected with our body, mind, and soul alignment as one perfectly in balance with one another. That's really what we're doing. So no, no small feat. It's really important shit. So it's very, very powerful to take the whole month as an opportunity to look, to review, to recenter, to restructure, to reorder. There's so much beautiful opportunity here for all of that. So that's really the monthly medicine is to restructure, to prioritize all of the things that feel so juicy, so good to us, so medicinal. And by doing so, we really have the potential to change the rest of our lives. And at the very least, our lives this year, because this year is just such a strong year of completion. It's like anything we do in this year to change the way we structure um, and go about our lives is just so potent and important. Um, and I hope that this download nourished you. So if you'd like to go a little deeper, the newsletter is yours to receive. If you miss it at 2 p.m. today, you can, again, just give us an email at info at Um, thank you so much for your practice, your presence, for your trust in me, for your opportunity to let me be, um, imperfect in front of you, <laughs> as I always say. Um, it is a true honor to get to do this podcast, to have listeners. It's not something I ever take for granted. Um, and I just want to say thank you. And I love you. And I hope everybody has a magnificent new moon in Virgo and um, Virgo season. And I will catch all of you at next week's episode. And until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.